Welcome to Season 6, Episode 21 of Strategy Simplified. In this BCG case interview example, our candidate is Guren, a PhD at MIT targeting McKinsey, Bain, and BCG. Guren had completed six mock cases with a partner leading up to this, but did quite well for being a casing beginner. Her performance in the interview would warrant a pass in a first round at MBB, because while she did make a few mistakes along the way, she didn't lose her cool and her overall structure and how she drove the case forward was strong enough to make up for the mistakes. It's an excellent illustration of our maxim that quality always supersedes quantity when it comes to case practice. The case is led by Ryan Smith, an ex-BCG consultant. If you liked the way he coached Guren, you can actually work with him one-on-one. -on -one. You can learn more at the link in the show notes. Okay, let's get this show on the road. Here's Ryan and Guren. Guren, you ready? Yes. Your client is a pharmaceutical company that is ready to launch a new drug. It is a drug for severe asthma. It is essentially the same as what is in the market today, but it is stronger, faster, and can treat severe cases that are not properly treated with today's medicine. The drug is seen as a breakthrough. The client is planning to launch this drug in Canada. They're coming to you to determine how they should price the drug. What would you need to explore to determine a good price? Great. Um... So I just want to make sure I captured all the facts. Um, our client is a pharma company uh, and uh, our company has made a new drug that uh, treats severe asthma. Uh, this new drug is similar to drugs already existing in the market. However, it's uh, more potent. So it has uh, stronger, faster results and it's effective against severe cases of uh, asthma. And so the company uh, views this uh, drug as a breakthrough and they want to launch it in the market. So uh, they've come to us to ask how should they price uh, this drug and what factors they should consider uh, to determine its price. Did I get everything? That's right. Great. Uh, so just a quick, uh, just a couple quick questions. Um, where is this company based? Where are they looking to launch uh, this drug? Uh, looking to launch in Canada and uh, you can assume they're based there too. Okay, all right. Um, okay, and is there a, a timeline when they're planning on launching this product? Is it like in the next six months or are they gonna take a little more time or is it immediate? As soon as possible. Okay, as soon as possible. And is the company based in Canada or is it based outside Canada? Uh, you can assume they're based in Canada. I see. So they're manufacturing it in Canada and they're also planning on selling it just in Canada. Mm -hmm. Great. Uh, so I might have more questions later on, but that's all I have for now. I'm going to take a few moments to structure my thoughts, if that's okay. Sounds good. Great. We'll be right back after this quick break. There's only one true way to build consulting skills, and that's to work on a consulting project. Are you ready to add killer experience to your resume and prepare for life on the job? Then you'll want to join the next Strategy Sprint, happening May 23rd through the 27th, 2022. Strategy Sprint is a one-week virtual consulting project where you, in a team of six led by an MBB consultant, solve a strategic problem for a real-world business. Apply today. If you're accepted, you'll get an early bird discount of $95. 
but the discount ends on Friday, April 1st. Click the link in this episode's show notes to complete the two-minute application today. There are only 24 spots available, so don't miss out. Okay, um, so I have a couple ideas that uh, I think are worth exploring. So uh, three right now, I have three buckets that I would like to go into. So the first is in order to determine the pricing, I think it's important to estimate how, how much of the drug do we expect to sell. So basically calculating the volume. Uh, and so for that, we have to basically size the market in Canada that uh, you know, asthma patients who would be willing to invest in this drug. So we could either get that from, there are already current drugs in the market, so that would give us a sense of um, how many customers we would be able to target. Um, within those customers, there would probably be a segmentation, those that have mild uh, asthmatic symptoms, those that have stronger symptoms, the ones that have stronger will probably will be able to wear them away towards our product quicker. Uh, I would also like to understand what the frequency of using this drug might be, like uh, do, client, uh, do uh, consumers have to use this once a month, once every six months, and so on. So understanding the frequency, and then also um, figuring out how we're going to distribute this. So, or, you know, if this is a large pharmaceutical company that already has a presence in the Canadian market, then it might be easier to promote this new product versus coming up with new, um, uh, so coming up with new distribution channels or just uh, building uh, awareness about the company and the product uh, from the ground up. Uh, the other thing is looking into the costs. Obviously, that's important when we're figuring out the price. So, so looking at fixed costs and then looking at variable costs. So within fi fixed costs, um, uh, you know, the equipment that they're using to manufacture this drug is this, was this already pre-installed equipment? And then they just had to add like other components. So what, but what is the cost of manufacturing this drug? Um, uh, and then again, like I think uh, m any sort of marketing things that might come irrespective of how much volume of the drug that we're producing. And then within variable costs, um, you know, looking at just the cost of the raw materials, uh, any labor costs, um, obviously there would be scientists involved in uh, creating this drug. So, you know, what are the costs associated with that? Any other sort of variable costs? Um, yeah, so just to summarize, uh, three factors. So determining what the market size is, what is the volume of the drug, how much we, we expect to be able to sell, and then looking into the fixed and the variable costs. Um, so I think the uh, what I would be most interested in exploring first is understanding what the market size is and how much we expect to sell. Yeah, yeah, that's that's good. That's a good place to start. So. <clears throat> So to answer some of your questions, uh, you can assume that the current asthma drug in Canada that our client sells is $5 per bottle. And that bottle lasts for two months. All right, so like you said, let's figure out what the total market size is uh, per year in Canada for this drug. Um, so how would you like to begin that? Um, yeah, so sorry, just I'm just gonna repeat the fact. So. Uh, each asthma bottle, it's sold as a bottle, is $5 and it lasts for two months. Mm -hmm. uh, and we just want to calculate what the market size is in Canada for one single year. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know the population of Canada. I'm assuming it's a little less than the U.S. So U.S. is about 300 million. So I don't know, maybe Canada's 250 million or 200 million. I don't know what, uh, if you have a preference in the assumption. That I yes, I mean, it's, it's a lot less than the U.S. Let's just say 30 million. 
Oh, okay, that was yeah. way off. <laughs> Sorry, excuse my ignorance. Um, okay, so uh, in order to calculate uh, the market size, uh, I, I, I already have this total population. I would need to understand how much of that population is asthmatic, so either has mild or severe symptoms. Uh, and then from that population, um, I would... Uh, I, I would know the the total. So assuming one person uses one bottle and that bottle isn't shared amongst individuals, so mm. that that population size would give me the number of bottles that are used. And uh, if a bottle lasts uh, every two months, so that means twelve divided by two, so six times they're replenishing it. So mm. that would be multiplied by six, and then I would just have to multiply it by the cost per bottle, and that would give me the the number. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so so what I need to know to do this calculation is what percentage of the 30 million population I should assume uh, has asthma. Mm-hmm. Just off the uh, top of your head, what are you thinking? I mean, I'm from India, so I know pollution is a big issue in India. So if this is India, I would probably think like 40 or 50 percent. <laughs> But in Canada, um, I don't know, maybe twenty percent of the population. Good guess. I mean, uh, let's just say, let's just say five. Be conservative. Oh, okay, all right. I am overshooting with numbers today. That's so okay. five, five percent uh, of. Yeah, so that's uh, 5% of 30 million is 1.5 million. Mm-hmm. So uh, so basically now I have my target population. So this is a number of asthmatic uh, patients. Yeah. Uh, times uh, uh, number of bottles per patient times price per bottle. Mm-hmm. So number of asthmatic patients is 1.5 million. The number of bottles per patient, so every two months, one bottle. So in 12 months, six bottles. So that's 1.5 times six mm-hmm. times the price per bottle, which is $5. Mm-hmm. So that's 1.5 times 30. That's uh, 45 million. 45 million. Mm-hmm. So the total market size is 45 million yeah. for this yeah. drug. Uh, and I'm assuming that uh, our company is not going to capture all of the 1.5 million asthmatic patients. So do we have any data on the industry trend? Like what is the segmentation like? Are there already dominant players? How does our industry stand compared to them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a that's a good way to go. So before we go there, what do you think about the forty five million dollar market size? Does seem like a lot, little. I wouldn't say it's negligible. Uh, I think there is a real potential over here. Uh, but again, to make a good assessment, I would also have to understand what the costs are, and again, what. Um, uh, yeah, I think the costs would give me a better sense of whether this is something they should excited about. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So before we go into, uh, you know, how much they can capture, you know, like you mentioned, um, we know that Canada has a single payer system. All right. So assume for simplicity's sake, the government will pay for the drug for those that need it. 
All right. So can you brainstorm for me? Uh, what are some ways that you would suggest our client negotiates a higher drug price from the government? I see. So uh, the facts over here that I need to know is that Canada has a single payer system. Mm -hmm. And so what that means is that for every uh, patient, so each of these 1.5 million individuals uh, that we have, the government will pay for the drug. And so now we have to negotiate with the government to make sure that uh, our drug is priced uh, to our advantage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let me just take a couple moments to think about this. Yeah, so just three things that I've been able to come up with off the bat are, um, I think there would be like some sort of convincing involved in which we really show them the data about the quality of the product. So you'd mentioned early on that this is really a breakthrough uh, drug in which people with severe asthma uh, also, it, it alleviates their symptoms. So I think really emphasizing the value of, that the product brings uh, to patients is of importance. Uh, and maybe that will help, con just the hard data will help convince the government that this is uh, worth the price that we uh, uh, ask. Uh, then uh, I'm thinking, uh, I, I don't know, like if there are other products that uh, this pharmaceutical company makes. And so if... Um, you know, there's some product that we've had in the market for 10 years. We've made a lot of profits from that. If there's something for that, we can like maybe lower the price for that. The government is also going to buy that that drug that we have. So perhaps like looking at other adjacent products that we have and considering like whether we can lower profits for that um, uh, in order to keep prices for this. Uh, and then I don't know if there's some sort of multi-year negotiation that we can make with the government. Like, suppose we do have to compromise on the price. Um, if we can get into a contract in which we're assured that, like, our drug is maybe, like, gets a certain sort of spot in the market um, and continues for several years. That makes sense. That makes sense. That's a good list. Uh, what else can you think of? Um, I'm just going to go back to my structure over here. Um, I guess the other thing that comes to me is that if we could also get government support in reducing our costs. So whether that's, um, uh, if they're, if the government is concerned with the absolute price that they have to pay, uh, then, you know, we could still keep our profit margins similar if our costs are, re are reduced. So uh, I don't know if like there are some policies the government makes that would help reduce uh, costs of raw materials or our supplier, supply chain networks, distribution channels. Uh, so that's another thing. Um, the government could also help increase overall volume. Typically when volume increases, then price tends to fall. So if we capture a large share of the 1.5 million, uh, 1.5 million uh, customers, asthmatic patients, then um, uh, uh, with the government's help, if like they sort of help us with the branding and promotion of this, perhaps that would also uh, help drive uh, uh, our price down, uh, which would be suitable for the government. But then it would also help in terms of our overall revenue. Got it. Got it. Makes sense. Okay. So, you know, earlier you mentioned, um, you know, how much of the market 
would our client be able to capture? Uh, So after doing market research, the client is considering three different price points for the bottles. Those three price points are $10, $15, and $20. At $10, the client anticipates 50% of existing customers will switch to their drug. At $15, they anticipate 30%. And at $20, they anticipate 15%. Okay. So purely based off revenues, which price makes the most sense? Okay. Uh, so I'm just going to again make sure I got all that information. Uh, our company has come up with three different price structures. The first is a $10 per bottle. So uh, right now the uh, bottle is priced at $5. This is just like a generic asthma, uh, bottle for asthmatic patients. So we're considering to sell our product at $10. And so that would be 50% will switch to our product. $15, 30% customers will switch. $20, 15% will switch. Is that, did I get those numbers right? Yes. Okay. All right. So, um, uh, I need to calculate the revenue for each of these uh, associated with each of these costs. And so mm-hmm. revenue is just price times volume. So I'm just going to go through each uh, you know, price and then calculate the associated volume for it. So mm-hmm. for a $10 price, 50% of customers will switch. So 50% of 1.5 million is 7.5 million, I think. So... Ten dollars times. I think you mean thousand seven hundred fifty thousand, right? Oh, sorry. Yeah, times. Uh, yeah, so seven hundred and fifty k. So that's seven point five million dollars would be our revenue if we use the ten dollar pricing strategy. So so let's think about that. So. Okay. You have you got the number the correct number of patients, right? So, oh, how much? Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, I I got it. So sorry, it's ten dollars per bottle, but we're not selling one bottle. Right. Uh, we're selling six bottles. So I just have to multiply this by six. So that should be above forty two, thirty forty five. So actually, that's exactly forty five million. Yep. Is that is that right? Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So then um, for the second, $15 times six, 15 times six is the uh, total per customer uh, cost. Uh, And so from 1.5 million, we will draw 30 million, oh, sorry, 30% customers. Uh, So that is 15 times six is 90. Oh, sorry, it's 15 times 6 is 80.4.5 divided by 10. I think this is 36 million. Is that right? Um, no, you're no. doing the $15 price point, right? Yeah. Yes. No. The $15. Okay. So, sorry, I'll just, I think I might have screwed up on the math. So $15 times six is 80, uh, 80. And then we're looking at 30% of 1.5 million 
customers, right? Uh, and so I get 80 times 4.5 divided by 10, 2,500. Oh, still getting 36 million. So let's back up. So you did 15 times six, uh -huh. right? And then that times 450K. Uh, I didn't calculate the 250K. I just did three tenths of 1.5 million. So what'd you get for 15 times six? 80. Uh, it should be 90, right? Six times five, oh, whoops, whoops, sorry, 90, yeah. 90 times 45, 9, 45, 46.40. Yeah, 40.5 million? Mm -hmm. Okay, all right. Okay, sorry, that took me long. For the third pricing right. strat strategy, I have $20 times six, that's $120, uh, times 15% of uh, 1.5 million. So that's $27 million. That's right. Okay. All right. So um, uh, I'm just going to put this all together in my head. Um, so for the first pricing strategy, which is $10, in which we attract 50% customers, our total revenue is $45 million. For the second, at $15, our total revenue is $40.5 million. And then for the third, at $20, a pricing strategy, our revenue is $27 million. So just going by absolute numbers, um, I think the first uh, option, a pricing of $10 is best. And also we're capturing like a large uh, amount of uh, patients. So that's 50%. So I would suggest that uh, our company goes with the first pricing strategy. Great, great. So uh, what's your recommendation to uh, our client? We'll be right back after this quick message. The best way to prepare for case interviews is through OutLoud practice with a partner. If you're looking for case practice partners, we can help. We have a free LinkedIn group you can join to find partners at your level and in your time zone. The link to join is in the show notes. In addition, we have a team of trained MBB coaches who can work with you via one-on-one -on -one Zoom sessions to help you get ready for case interviews. Whether you're starting from scratch or just need a little bit of extra help to get over the hump, our coaches have seen it all and will customize each session to your specific needs. If you're looking for a tailored and structured case prep program, look no further. Again, the link to join is in the show notes. My recommendation to the client is that their product is 
very encouraging in terms of its impact and uh, that the Canadian uh, market uh, for uh, uh, an asthmatic drug is uh, substantial, 45 million. And uh, they can also, if they use the right, right pricing strategy, they can attract that uh, level of uh, revenue also. And uh, since this is a single payer system, we'll, the company will probably have to explore if the government will be uh, okay with its $10 pricing strategy. And in case it's not, then there are a couple of things that the company can explore, whether it's in terms of, uh, you know, really uh, convincing the government uh, uh, officials in terms of the quality of the product just through their raw data, given, you know, how impactful this drug is. Uh, and then also like consider other sort of adjacent products or that they can potentially use to um, offset any sort of uh, uh, reductions in profits for this uh, product. And then... Um, uh, also, maybe get into some sort of contract with the government where, again, we can consider the $10 pricing. But overall, a $10 price for this asthmatic drug seems uh, good for uh, capturing a large amount of the market. Great, great. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Uh, we're all done. Any uh, okay. initial thoughts before I uh, go into uh, feedback? No, it's uh, 15 times 6. I said 90, and then I don't know why I kept saying yeah, 80. So sorry about the silly math error. No, it's all right. It happens. It happens. Um, uh, go ahead. Yeah, I have, I have one more thing. So uh, uh, usually I know when we are coming up with our structure and after we've come up with it and describe it, uh, it's usually recommended that you, you know, sort of go in a horizontal way and you describe all your three buckets first yeah. and then you go sub uh, into each of those factors. So I didn't do that. I think it was just nerves. And I just went into volume without telling you what the other two factors were. So if I had to do it again, I would change that. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also in terms of uh, your question on, you know, how should the company negotiate for a higher drug price with the government? Mm -hmm. I think my... Um, uh, the things that I suggested were a little weak, but that's, that could be I'm still developing my uh, business understanding. So uh, uh, in the future, I would like to improve, you know, like when companies are negotiating with X party, then what are the different things that they should yeah. do? Yeah. Yeah. No, those are those are two great call outs. Um, and I have those in my in my notes here as well. So, um, you know, starting from the top, uh, your recap, I thought it was good. You know, feel free to continue to push on making it your own. You know, like in, in 100% your own words, um, don't be afraid to to, you know, speak it back in, in the cadence and and flow that, that you normally use in regular conversation. Um, you know, uh, next we went to clarifying questions. Um, so clarifying questions. Uh, this was something I struggled with a lot uh, when I was preparing for interviews. Um, there's there's a framework that I used uh, to think of clarifying questions because um, it's a very, you know, odd thing. You know, you don't want to ask for too much data. You don't want to just like jump right in and ask for, for too little. You want to make sure you, you hit the right balance. So, you know, in general, you shouldn't really be asking more than three approximately. If you find that you're asking a, a ton more than that, then you're asking the wrong things or you're going into too much detail. Um, I thought yours were, were generally good. Uh, one little one you asked about the location, uh, you know, where they were selling, and that was said in the prompt. So just be careful with, with stuff like that. Um, like Canada was, was talked about in the prompt. Um, but, you know, the framework for a clarifying question that I usually use is, one, 
uh, understand how the client, you know, makes their money. Right. And so that doesn't always have to be framed as, you know, like how do they make money or what do they sell? It can be framed as an assumption. Right. So when you think of a pharmaceutical company, you can say, OK, I think of, you know, Pfizer, they have multiple drugs and, you know, they're 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 used to doing this, you know. Um, and then I say either like yes or no. And then that way, you know, you have a good idea of what the company actually is. The second is their goal. Right. Like, what are they looking to do? Like, what what are you driving toward in the case? Um, that's crucial because especially like in the actual job, there's a million different ways you could go in any case. The only thing that really guides you is what the end goal is and making sure you're marching towards something as the case goes on. And then the third clarifying question can pretty much be anything that uh, you need clarification on that differs case by case. Right. Um, so that that's kind of like the framework I use to, to think of clarifying questions. And, you know, there's some leeway depending on the case, but but that's generally how I think about it. Um, after that, we went into uh, the framework. Uh, the, your timing was was pretty good. Um, it was just a tad long, maybe just by like 15 seconds. It was just a little bit over the two and a half minute mark. Um, but, you know, with I know this is probably your seventh live case, so I'm not worried about the timing, you know, whatsoever. I think you'll be totally fine on that. Um, you're right in, in mentioning calling out the three buckets first because uh, the way I have your framework written here, I missed the transition between like market size and volume, right? And so, you know, that's really important, especially in the virtual world because uh, you want to paint the picture in the interviewer's mind that your framework is structured, right? You don't want to take that chance that they that they think, you know, you're not having, you're not doing, going about it in a structured way. Um, that being said, you know, the content of your framework, uh, it was, it was robust, you know, like you, you talk through a lot of detail, which is really good. You know, um, I'm sure by now everyone on the call has heard the term MISI before, right? So, you know, mutually exclusive, collectively exhaustive. Um, there's, in my opinion, too much emphasis on the, the first two, the mutually exclusive piece, Right. And so like people focus on, you know, having their buckets being, you know, independent and no overlap. But the thing that really makes the biggest difference, you know, like the mutual exclusive, please, that's that's table stakes. Right. Like you you learn that and then like, you know, you keep doing your framework. But a lot of people don't focus on the collectively exhaustive piece. And so getting down to a granular level of insight and making the uh, framework really tailored to the problem happens in the content there. And you did a good job of that. I think there were just a couple things that I would have added. Um, so I think, you know, things like regulation is a, is a really big piece here, right? Like it's, you know, you're manufacturing a drug and, you know, a prescription drug at that. So you need to have a really good understanding of, you know, the regulation, maybe how that could change over time, any, you know, pending legislation, recent legislation, you know. And then another thing um, that could have been good to mention was, you know, what's the lifetime of this patent? You know, like in the in the U.S., we have a certain way of, you know, you hold the patent for, I think it's, you know, 20 years and then, you know, generics come into the market. How are they thinking about that or, or how does that kind of guide their pricing decision um, while they're the only ones, presumably, that can make this drug? Um, does that make sense? Uh, any questions yes. on that? Okay. Yeah, I think regulatory is big. Um, I'm, I'm in biology, so I understand the importance of that and... As, again, I missed it. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, all good. I mean, like I said, I thought your your, your framework was was robust. Um, I'm looking through to see if there's anything else I would I would add. You know, one one other thing, and this is this is you know a little bit you know nitpicky, but one thing I like to add, um, especially in cases like this, are any you know not competing asthma drugs, but any you know replacement therapies, right? So like anything that someone may you know if they're not choosing between this drug and then you know three other competitors, are there any other options outside of that realm that could be considered, or you know that that the client should be aware of? Um, but that's that's probably the the last thing I would mention on that. Um, you know, after that, you know, your first step after the framework going into the market sizing exercise was really good. You know, very, very logical. You're very clear about it, um, stated really well. Um, I want to say, you know, your, your general demeanor throughout the case was excellent. You know, like I don't want, uh, you know, it's not all about the skills, right? I mean, when they're interviewing you, they're definitely seeing if, you know, they would like to be, you know, working with you for <laughs> however many hours a day or, or whatever it may be. And so your, your general demeanor, it was, you know, very, you know, seemed very comfortable, uh, very friendly. It was really good throughout the whole case, you know, even during, you know, the, the math mistake or two that was made. So I really want to highlight that because that's hugely, hugely important. The other great thing you did when we moved to the, to the first math piece is you framed up what you wanted to do before diving in. You know, you talked clearly about how you would estimate the market um, for this asthma drug in Canada itself. And it doesn't matter that, you know, like you didn't, I actually, I don't know if 30 million is the right population for Canada, just said it in the case. So it doesn't matter that, you know, you guessed, you know, whatever it was that you, you know, that you guessed, it was all very logical. You, you structured the problem really well, all that sort of stuff. So that was a really, really good job. Um, and it was good having that initial opinion on the population of, of, uh, Canada. You know, you didn't just kind of say like, well, what is it? You made a guess. And not only that, you backed it up with some reasoning, right? Um, I would have liked to have done that on the, you know, like without being prompted on the asthmatic portion, you know, because I asked like, what do you think? Like, what do you think the rate is of, of asthma in Canada? You know, if you had just gone from, you know, I think the population of Canada is X and then going to the asthmatic piece, you know, like I'm basing it on, you know, like I think I thought the the call to India was great. You know, if you had like gone that through that flu, that would have been perfect. That would have been absolutely perfect. But all in all, you did really well on that. Um, I would work on, you know, talking through the math a little bit. There were a couple silences there that were just like a tad too long. Um, and it was when you were doing calculations. Uh, you know, it feels very odd to talk through math calculations. It was something that I struggled with mightily. Um, but even just giving context to the interviewer about, you know, like what you're multiplying and what you get and stuff like that. Um, it also helps guard against some, some mistakes occasionally, uh, because the interviewer can kind of catch if, you know, you're off by zero or something along, along those lines. Um, finally on the first math piece, um, it's important to always have an opinion on, you know, the answers you get in the work you do. So, you know, when you got the $45 million uh, size of the market, um, it's okay to have, you know, an, an opinion about that. You know, that's part of being, you know, kind of hypothesis driven, right? Like it, you can say like, oh, that feels big. It feels small. It doesn't really matter if you're right or wrong. It's just your gut reaction to it. 
you know, and that's something they expect on the job as well is for you to always have an opinion on your work. Doesn't it being accurate? I mean, like you go to prove that later, but just knowing that you have formulated some sort of thought and like critical thinking around around what you got. Um, after that, we moved into the brainstorm. Uh, I, I've got to say this is this was a really tough brainstorm. It was really, really difficult. Um, but with brainstorms, you know, you want to be as structured as possible, right? So generally you bucket into two buckets, you know, like structuring the brainstorm is more like checking a box, right? You know, they're, they're, what you name your buckets in your brainstorm is not going to be evaluated as heavily as what you say in the brainstorm. So in this particular case, like the example they have here is bucketing into, you know, cost saving and life saving, right? So on the cost saving side, you could save the government money by having a drug that's so much more effective than what's you know currently in the market. On the life saving side, you know, there are, you know, people who unfortunately die from asthma attacks and hopefully this drug can help save lives. You know, those are two great uh, reasons to ask for a higher price. Right. So, you know, the way to go about the brainstorm um, is to say, you know, I'm thinking about this in two ways in the first bucket and in the second bucket and then go back and fill in those buckets. You want to have kind of three to four uh, creative ideas uh, in each bucket, if possible. Um, I'm just looking back at my notes to see if there's is anything else. You said some some really good good things there, you know, like the uh, like multi-year negotiation um, was was excellent. Um, you know, one thing, uh, towards the end, and this usually happens, you know, when you ask someone, you know, what else, you know, cause that, that's kind of like anxiety inducing, you know, like it, a lot of people make mistakes after you ask that, but you mentioned volume, which isn't a bad thing to mention, but in relation to volume, you mentioned actually a lower price talking about decreasing the price when the question was about how to increase it. Right. Now, right. what your caveat around revenue wasn't bad, you know, right. um, but I would maybe one, if you could think of something else, I would have said something else. Um, but I would have called out that that caveat first to make it known to the interviewer that like, hey, this isn't exactly like what you're asking, but it's a it's it's it can be a consideration. Um, any questions about about brainstorm? No, uh, I haven't thought about brainstorming so far in structured buckets. I've only thought mm -hmm. of that in terms of the initial yep. framework that we set out. So that's very useful to know. Yeah, yeah. And also, you know, when it comes to the brainstorm, like I said, this was a tough one. And so the structure here was difficult, you know, cost saving and life saving. And that's just one way to do it. But also don't be afraid, you know, to use like a very kind of, like, you know, internal, external type of framework in a brainstorm. The most important thing is that you get to very creative ideas. Right. That's the time when you can really add value to your case, because um, you can say something that the interviewer's never heard before. And that's a good way to make an impression. You know, you can only be so fast on the math and there's a right answer to math. So, I mean, there, there's not a, a ton of upside there. It's more downside. So, you know, because you can make mistakes. But with brainstorming, there's so much upside there. So um, it's a very, very important piece of the case that is also sometimes overlooked. Um, and then we moved into the, the second step of the math. Um, and it seems like you have good organization uh, because you were able to recall the numbers from the previous uh, 
math section like pretty easily. So organization is a big thing when you're, you know, writing it down and all that. Like I want to emphasize, you know, organize the math. Normally it can be organized in tables, but um, you never know where you're going to have to recall something. Um, one thing is, you know, be very, like, you know, be confident in your math answers. You know, if you feel like, uh, you know, they're not right, you know, take another second or two to double check. But, you know, the, when you got the first answer, which was $45 million for the $10 price point, you frame the $45 million, like, as a question, you know. And so, you know, and, but you were right the whole time, you know. Um, so, you know, be confident in your math answers. If you, if that's like a, a point of contention, then, you know, take the extra time you need, you know, whether, and, and normally it's only a couple seconds to really feel comfortable in, in, in what you're saying. Um, I like that you were getting exact numbers. I would not round ever unless you're prompted by the interviewer, because uh, some interviewers look at that as taking shortcuts. Um, what you can do is say, you know, oh, you know, ballpark, it'll be this figure, but I'll get the exact answer. You know, that's when they can tell you you can round or something. But I wouldn't assume uh, that you can round. Um, and then, you know, we went to after that, we got into the recommendation. Um, overall, you had all the all the good components. You want your recommendation to be, you know, very confident and succinct. And so, I think about the recommendation in four pieces. The first is the decision, right? Like, what's the answer to the question? In this case, it would be, you know, the client should in the market the ten dollar price point, you know, for their new asthma drug. Second is the support for it. You know, um, you know, forty five million dollar um, potential if they get fifty percent. Um, of the current, you know, asthmatic customers. And then, then you want to go into risks. You know, you mentioned some good risks, you know, while you were going through it. And then you want to finish out with next steps. All right. You want to go through those four things, you know, succinctly, confidently. And, you know, you don't want your recommendation to ramble on because quite frankly, you know, 99% of the time, by the time you get to the recommendation, they've seen enough to, to make a judgment on, on your candidacy. Um, so you don't want to draw it out any longer than, than it needs to be. Um, but overall, good job, really good job. Thank you uh, for making me through it. I was extremely nervous. <laughs> it's all right. Yeah, you did good. If you liked what you heard today, we've got dozens more like this on the podcast and on our YouTube channel. In addition, if you'd like to volunteer to be on the hot seat for a future live case, you can. There's a short form you can fill out to register your interest. Links to everything mentioned in this episode are the links in the show notes, including a link to learn more about being coached by Ryan or another member of our all MVB all-star coaching team. Thanks again for listening.